Welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. I'm Stacy, And I'm David. We grew up together in Beverly Hills in the 1980s. Forget what you've seen in the movies or TV shows. We have the real stories about real people growing up in Beverly Hills. Here's a little known fact for you. There aren't any talking chihuahuas. <laughs> Beverly Hills folk drop a lot of names of people and places. We just can't help it. Don't worry, we'll explain it all at the end of the interview in the Beverly Hills Breakdown. Enjoy, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Hey, Stacy, we've got Nancy Radin on our show for this episode. If you went to Beverly Hills High School, you might know her by her maiden name, Nancy Fishman. She graduated from Beverly in 1970, and not too long after, came back to teach there in the drama department. The drama department was huge at Beverly, and as Nancy says in the interview, about a quarter of the kids in the entire school were a part of it in one way or another. We had a big theater, and each year there were numerous productions, including a big musical with elaborate sets and set changes, and a live orchestra. They were very professional. There were also plays, and the school competed in a statewide Shakespeare festival. Nancy taught at Beverly for 10 years and talks about her experience there with John Engel, who was the head of the drama department. Nancy and the other teachers had a profound influence on so many kids, and so many of those kids are now big shots in show business. Nancy talks about all her time at Beverly and also her fight against cancer, and how she uses her friends and humor to get through it. Even when she got a horrible diagnosis, she kept working and creating, and she hasn't stopped. Let's listen. Let's listen. Nancy Raiden, welcome to Growing Up Beverly Hills. Well, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, a lot of our audience might know you as Nancy Fishman, and you probably taught them or went to school with them. That's true. I did. Both. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Well, this is exciting. So, Nancy, how did your family first come to Beverly Hills? Well, we lived in Chicago, and um, my mom's family already lived in California. So when I was 12 years old, I was just starting the eighth grade. We moved to Beverly Hills, and I went to Beverly Vista with a lot of friends that I still have, which is just amazing. Oh, that's so cool. So you're still, I went to Beverly Vista too. So right. you also stayed friends with uh, a lot of your friends from BV. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of my friends from high school and many students. That's wonderful. Yeah, it really, really was and is. So you came into the Beverly school system pretty late as yes. far as Beverly Hills goes. What was that experience like? Were you... Well, the first year was a little bit of an adjustment coming from the south side of Chicago to Beverly Hills. Oh, it was mm -hmm. light years different. Sure. And it took, a, it took me a little while to adjust. But, you know, like any kid, once I made my friends, it was wonderful. And the people that I made friends with in eighth grade are still wonderful friends of mine. I've been really blessed in, in my friendship life. So many of my students have come in back into my life because of Facebook. Yeah. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And a number of years ago, my mentor and colleague, uh, John Ingle, passed away. John was head of the drama department at Beverly for many years and just a beloved teacher. Mm, yes. 
there was a memorial service for him at the high school that Joel Pressman and uh, some of the other students organized. And it was just tremendous. There must have been over 500 people that showed up. Wow. And they were, most of them were former students. Sure. So it was, you know, a, a very bittersweet day. We were all terribly sad about John's passing and all just adored him. And I did in particular. He was like a, a second father to me. He was really a legendary teacher at Beverly. Oh, le- legendary. I mean, John Ingle was the most charismatic person I have ever met in my life. He seemed incredible. He was incredible. And, uh, you know, I was just so blessed that he took me under his wing and invited me to come and do my student teaching at Beverly. And then my, he hired me before I got my credential, but he hired me to come in and work with the kids in the afternoon. Uh, And then he hired me and it was just a, I think it was an amazing era in in the Beverly High Performing Arts Department. Uh, The staff was incredible. We just had such amazing people like John and Joel Pressman uh, Richard Farmer, who did the band, and Bonnie Miller, who did forensics, and mm. Jackie O'Neill, who was our pianist full time. I mean, what wow. school has that? I've never heard of it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it doesn't exist. Exactly. How did it start, though, Nancy? When you first came as a student in, at Beverly Hills High, were you playing sports or did you want to go right into the drama department? How did you fall in love with drama and make the connection with uh, Mr. Engel? Well, it was the very first day of my uh, freshman year at Beverly. I was 14 mm-hmm. years old. And there was a room that we used. We had the little theater and the choral room, but there was a little room that we used called 176. And it was just a funky classroom. And I just fell in love with theater and John and the program my very first day. Wow. And I I said to myself, I want to come back and I want to teach drama here one day. Wow. Set it as a goal and somehow it worked out. That's pretty rare in life. Oh, it was. I mean, I tell people, find your passion and figure out Uh a way of making a living doing that. Yeah. And you're never working. You're always doing what you love. Exactly. That That's probably the best advice you could ever give to any person or student. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, it worked for me and it certainly has worked for m- many people that I know. But John was instrumental in my life. And um, I, I got it. I still choke up. Just talking about him. Did you make an early connection personally with him at at this young age? Well, I did when I took his class, but at the time I was actually more interested in sports. Mm. And I was playing on uh, softball and basketball and volleyball. I mean, I was on all the sports teams. Oh, wow. And I really enjoyed that. And I knew I'd come back to drama and I knew that that's what I wanted to do, but you know, I, I, that was my focus at the time. And then uh, when I went to UCLA, John taught a class in teaching high school drama. At UCLA? At UCLA, which of course I took. Oh. And uh, that's kind of how we reconnected. It was through that class. 
um, that he invited me to come and do my student teaching and be an aide and then a, and then a, you know, teacher there. Uh, so it was, um, very instrumental. We just knew John in the eighties. Uh, what was he like back then? I mean, we know him as kind of a gray haired older guy and he was super charismatic and, and then I think he started acting professionally all the time about the time we were graduating. That's right. Um, it was in the mid eighties. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, he decided he was coming. He wanted to retire early. They offered what was called a golden handshake at that time, uh, which I always thought was counterintuitive because you're losing some of your wonderful, amazing teachers that have been there for decades. For but sure. he decided that he'd had enough teaching, which he'd done for many, many years. And yeah. he wanted to become a professional actor. And so he would go out, he got an agent and he would go out on calls during the day and he would say, Hey, Nance, can you cover my period five, six? <laughs> hey, Nance, can you cover my period seven, eight? And, and he, he was older then. He was, yeah. how old was he? I think he retired when he was 57. Oh, oh wow. well, I take it back. He was very young. <laughs> he was young. Yeah. He was he a child, older. right? Wasn't he an infant? Infant. Yeah, and I think he played like this. Usually got the part of like the 70-year-old preacher Grandpa or something. Or something. He, did. he was so distinguished looking. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he had such this amazing, booming voice and this gray hair and this yeah. charisma. And, uh, you know, it just happened almost immediately for him and we were all thrilled that he was you know making his way in his new career but we were so sad to lose him yeah it was a major loss and uh but he went on and had i think a couple of decades of active work yeah just great stuff it just got better and better and better for him Mm -hmm. amazing uh, yeah he, quite a legendary man. So did he have dark hair when he was teaching you? When I was at, yeah, he was a young, <laughs> he probably was in his thirties, forties. Thirties. So, and he was tall, thin, uh-huh. you know, and his hair gradually grayed over the years. And I think he just became better and better looking and more handsome and charismatic, you know, as time went on. I would agree. (laughs) He was quite an inspiring person and inspired not only myself, but as, as you know, dozens and dozens. Yeah. I don't know if we'd have so many famous actors from Beverly without him, right? Probably. Probably from that era. That's probably true. Yeah. I just, it's a who's who, honestly, I couldn't even begin to, mention them all but as you know we had david schwimmer and john silverman and john turtletaub and uh jason who became max munchnik yep you were in school basically in the 60s yeah i I graduated in 70 i was a year younger than my class because i had skipped a year so what was beverly like in the 60s was it affected by all the drugs and rock and roll and everything happening of course I mean, it was affected by everything. Fashion, mm-hmm. you know, it was a fashion statement of mini skirts. Right. You know, that, that was the era back then. And uh, gosh, it was a great fashion era. 
Yeah, with the, it must have been great with it all the prints fun. and the fat and the and the go go boots and the mini skirts. Oh my the, god, it was <laughs> it was like People Magazine. It must have been a fun dance at the swim gym that oh year. Oh my god, it was just a, it was really uh, it was an amazing era era. And one of the things that really stands out to me the most of that time in my life is the music. Oh uh-huh. yes. Didn't the Doors play at the Beverly? The Doors played at Beverly. I think I was a freshman, and, oh and my God. I think Cream and oh my God, a couple of other that that became the function of the student body was to get these you know rock and roll concerts happening. Wow, that's so cool because we had we had Oingo Boingo our year. Oh, okay. <laughs> I tell you They're not quite the Doors. Sorry. They weren't the Doors or Cream, but uh... yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the music was just an amazing part of that decade. What was that like for your parents? Were you kind of seen in rebellion to them? Or? My, my had wonderful parents. My parents were... Were they cool? They were... They, yeah, they were cool. They were just wonderful. They were supportive. My mom would come in and listen to the music with me. Oh, wow. And close the door to my bedroom and put on headphones. And, you know, we would just rock out. Oh, fun. It was fun. She was a very cool lady and very funny. And my dad was just kind of very tolerant. And What did your parents do? Well, my dad had a cl- uh, cleaning business, different oh, okay. stores around um, Los Angeles. And he had one in the uh, Brentwood Country Mart that oh. I, I worked for him there for a while. Uh, he had another one on Little Santa Monica Boulevard uh, where the Pier 1 Oh yeah, moved in. That used to be his space. Oh wow! And um, that's it. I came from a modest background. I did not come from a, an affluent background at all. But I came from an incredibly loving and supportive family with a tremendous sense of humor, which to me has been—I mean—a blessing. Yeah, a real blessing. For I sure. think that's one of the most important things that you need to carry with you throughout life because, you know, things happen to all of us and it's how we handle those things that makes the difference. Exactly. I fully agree with you about that. Yeah. So every class at Beverly has its own crop of famous kids or kids from famous parents. How about your year? In the 1970s. In the 70s? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because you're right after Rob Reiner and Richard Dreyfus and Albert Einstein. W- weren't they your age? Or no, no, no. They're those guys. They're, are they're older. older. They they graduated around sixty four, sixty five. Yeah. My cousin Don graduated with them. Uh, that was not. I think that was John's first class. Oh so, wow! So I don't think he had all of those people. But Albert Brooks and Rob Reiner and, you know, all the folks and uh, the folks that you just mentioned uh, and Carol uh, Ida White. Oh, she's wonderful. A phenomenal comedian. She was on uh, Laverne and Shirley for a long time. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, There were just tons. Maybe Lorraine Newman. Lorraine was in my class. Yes. Oh, wow. She was very funny. She at the time had really bad scoliosis. And I remember that she wore a brace throughout high school and she used her humor, I think, as a way of getting through that. Like we were just talking about to get through through the day. I remember being at slumber parties with her and she would just be a 
total riot. Really? We would do these skits, you know, and she was always hilarious and funny. Um, it was an amazing time and an amazing place. And I don't think that that kind of environment could ever really exist again because Beverly Hills at the time was a, a real hub mm-hmm. for performers to live in. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I taught there, we had Don Rickles, Mindy. Did you, in, did you? Yeah, we just interviewed Mindy. She was wonderful. I, she had, she was very quiet and very shy at the time. She told us that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she was in my class and I um, was directing one of Neil Simon's plays called The Good Doctor, which mm-hmm. is based on vignettes by Anton Chekhov. And she was a riot. Really? I, I gave her some <laughs> roles that just allowed her to be zany and crazy. And I remember her dad sitting in the audience, just kind of overwhelmed and stunned. <laughs> I think he was more stunned than anything to see her, you know, just blossom and, and fly like that. That must have been cool because you actually got to teach the daughter of, and then the main star, Don Rickles, is watching out in the audience. I mean, and that was probably student after student. It you was know, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, especially those musical performances. And, you know, you would see Florence Henderson and right. Shirley Jones and all of them because we had Ryan, Ryan Cassidy's in Ryan, our class. Yes. We had all we the had, Cassidy's. Yeah, we had Jolie Fisher and Trisha right. Fisher. So you Jolie's had... a dear friend of mine. Oh, she's fabulous. She's phenomenal. We got together a couple of years ago and she actually, I wrote a book. Yes, we'll talk about that. And she, she, you know, did some PR work for me on my book, and oh, we got great. together a number of times. She's just lovely and talented. She is incredibly talented. Yeah. The talent yes. that these people have are quite incredible. It just amazes me that they can act and sing and dance and and are they're funny at the threats. same time. I mean, there's so many threats. So many threats, and they were like that. I mean, uh, the caliber of talent that we were fortunate to work with was superb. It was beyond compare. And did I, you know at the time, cause you, cause I know that you worked with the Shakespeare fest. Like, did you know you guys had like extraordinary talented group of Well, young the kids people? would always win every, almost every competition, but they worked so hard. I mean, people would say, Oh, it's because they're from Beverly. That's not what it was about. I mean, I personally sat there and worked with those kids every single day for two months after school. Right. Yeah. You know, so they were. And it was their passion. I mean, they they took it more seriously than anything at school. Absolutely. It was one of the programs at school that was um, the most highly coveted. And also, Nancy, I think you mentioned like the kids like almost lived at the in the performing arts department. Oh, they then- did. They'd come in in the morning at, you know, 8 of 7.30, whatever. They'd drop their backpacks on our tables. They'd, you know, down a donut and, <laughs> and they'd go to classes. And then they'd, for, for nutrition and for lunchtime, every break that they had, you know, the kids would be back in our department and they just couldn't wait until, you know, their rehearsals began. 
Wonderful. In the afternoon. It was, it was superb. It's so amazing what the impact that you personally made on the lives of these students. You know, it sounds like you personally and John and the rest of your All team of were so close with them personally. And just what an experience to know how much you put into the students and how much, what a reward. Well, it is rewarding for me, and it's especially rewarding now, I mean, all these years later, that I still have contact with so many of them. It means the world to me, honestly. It really is quite incredible. It was a family environment. Yeah. And we were the parents. Isn't that amazing? We had 500 kids in our program, which was, what, a quarter of the school? Yep, for sure. Is that about right? Yeah, that is. It was, every day was an adventure and, and there was really never a time where we weren't in awe of what we had to work with. Hmm. And it was uh, so inspiring. And the kids were amazing. I mean, they, they did everything that we asked, you know, they brought their brain and their heart and their energy and their courage you know, every day to get on, on stage and, yep. and, and do what was asked of them. And they did it with love and joy. Mm-hmm. I, I have one quick question about the performing arts department. Not only were, did you teach the actors how to act and all that, but you taught lighting and gaffing and sound. Like those, those students that. learned all of that. So you could leave Beverly and probably get a job after school. A lot of kids did. Yeah. And if they didn't go into acting, uh, as you know, many of them became writers, directors. Uh, They took this high school experience with them and they turned it into a life of work. God, that's so, I I wish I was in the drama department. You know, I'd like to go back and be a student of mine. I would too. I would love you to be be my teacher. (laughs) Oh, I'd love to do that. You know, I just loved teaching. When you first started teaching, what was it like to come back to the high school that you went to? Was it like... Welcome back, Cotter. Do you remember that TV show? (laughs) Yeah. That's what it was. Because you were just around their age. You weren't that much older. I was not. When I started working for John, I was maybe 24. Wow. Mm -hmm. And the seniors were 18. So... You know, I think that was one of the one of the things that was a little bit special about my relationship personally with the kids was John, of course, was this amazing father figure. Mm -hmm. But I was close to their age. And so the girls felt really comfortable confiding in me. You know, I heard so many romance stories. You cannot. (laughs) (laughs) Broken hearts, broken hearts. All day long. All day long. Yeah. (laughs) Could you see a considerable shift in how kids were or how times were changing or it just wasn't that long of a gap? Well, when I first started teaching, it was not that long of a gap. And -hmm. when I left, I was married and I had two kids. So, you know, my life had changed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I still I'm still friends with these people. How long were you a teacher at Beverly? Around 10 years. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then we moved up north. I hated leaving Beverly. I really did. I'm sure. Why did you end up leaving to move up north? It, mostly for my husband's work. Um, he got some really good. He was an attorney and an MBA, and he got some good 
offers to move up there. And it was at the, at the time, the smog, I don't know if you remember that. But I it remember. Was unbelievable. And yeah. we just wanted to get into a cleaner environment. Yep. So we moved up to Marin County, which is the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. The pretty, pretty side. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. And mm -hmm. we had a house on the water with boat wow. docks and my kids just loved it. My son's a huge sailor now. Oh, wow. Because Great. of that. And, uh, you know, we, I, I did a lot of theater up here. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your early life when you moved up north. Uh, I started teaching at ACT, American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. I taught there for about five years, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And I worked with um, the same age group, you know, high school and younger. Yep. And uh, then I started uh, programs in Marin County at the schools where my kids went to school. And I directed a, a number of shows, uh, Oliver. Oh, wow. Peter, the first flying production of Peter Pan with kids ever. Wow. I called them and I said, I'm doing you know, an, an elementary school production and I want the kids to fly. And they said, I'm sorry, we don't fly kids. <laughs> and I said, no, you don't understand. I mean, this is a really professionally run organization. And they said, we don't fly kids. And I said, will you just please come out and look at what we're doing? And they came out and they, you know, watched a rehearsal for an hour and they said, we're in, we're in, we're in. I love it. So we had the first children's flying production of Peter Pan, which was just amazing. I had 300 kids in wow. the production. Every kid, this was something that I learned from John, going back to John. Sure. John was so inclusive. Yeah. Some teachers are exclusive. Yeah. You know, they get their tiny little group and, and that's it. And if you're not in that group, you're you, out, you're out. And, uh, and I learned how to include everybody. So any mm. kid who wanted to work, whether it was in the show or tech, I had kids running lights and soundboards. I mean, little kids doing incredible though. And I remember one time I went, we went out for, I went outside for uh, intermission just to get a quick cup of coffee. Yep. And when I came back, they had started without me. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought at first I was a little, you know, miffed. And then I yeah. thought, wow, this is the best thing ever. Right. To teach kids that, that they can just go on their own and do it. Well, how rewarding. It was just really an amazing experience. And so I kept doing that for a number of years. Were there certain students that you could tell just had it and you knew oh, they'd be course. famous? Well, of course, okay. you know, I mean, they were all so gifted. Um, uh -huh. I mean, how about Johnny went from literally hanging in the locker in the hallways with us to Broadway? Silverman? You talking about Silverman? I'll tell you how that happened because I'm tell the us. one who checked him out of school. Oh, my God. Tell us. Yeah, I, thought, he, I thought I helped him get out of the attendance office. Oh, but. did you? He came to me. Well, because many of our students were working actors. Right. And so many of them would leave during the day, do an audition, and come back. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was teaching an afternoon drama class that Johnny was in and he came up to me and said, Nancy, I have to go to an audition. And I said, good luck, you know, break a leg. And he left and he came back. The class was still in session. It wasn't very long. Right. And he came back with a checkout card for the school year. 
Oh my God. The I whole got, year? For the whole year. And he goes, I need you to sign my checkout card. And I looked at him and I said, where, where are you going? And he said, I got the job. I'm going to Broadway. Oh my nice. God. He went right from the classroom. I literally. <laughs> broad, literally to Broadway. No, it was unbelievable because we were good friends. Working for that, Neil Simon. Neil Simon. Brighton, Brighton Beach Memoirs and, and, mm-hmm. and Broadway Bound. And he did the Broadway version and then he did the movie version. Yeah. And we always referred to that, his ex, ex, my experience with John is fluked him. Yeah. It was so <laughs> fluky. It was. Yeah. That he left and came back and that was the end. And that he was went it. on to... And of course, at the time, his best friend was uh, David Schwimmer. I think yeah. they're still good friends. I, I've probably haven't talked to them in a while, but but I that was my understanding. And then, of course, David went on to blow us all away, all of us away. I mean, all <laughs> of us. He just was so incredible. David Schwimmer was the first person I knew who had a computer. Really. Oh, wow the very first person. And I remember I was redoing, uh, I was editing and redoing a a script that the kids were going to perform for something. And, you know, back then we had to start and we had white out. Right. And he said, Nancy, give it to me. I'll take it home and I'll do it. And he came back like 20 minutes later. Oh my God. And it was all redone. And I said, how'd you do this? And he said, well, it's called word processing. Wow. (laughs) I knew he was smart too. He was really smart. Well, he was thinking about becoming a doctor. We learned from another guest of ours who they were both kind of thinking pre-med. Oh, really? Pre-med? I thought he would go into law because I thought both of his parents were lawyers and he was very articulate and incredibly smart, but he loved drama and he was just terrific at everything that he did and totally dedicated and a nice person, a really nice guy. Super nice guy. You know, he just kept plugging away and then got the role of a lifetime. He really did. I, I love that show. That is my favorite yes. show. The best. Sure. The best show ever, friends. Ross, Ross, we love Ross. Ross, they were all terrific. I mean, that whole cast was, the ensemble was amazing. I never got tired of watching David. Oh, how cool. He was so amazing. And it was just in my mind, you know, I see somebody performing on stage or in film or television. And, and for many, many years, every time we went to a movie, you know, the movie would get over, my husband would get up, and I'd go, no, 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 wait, I have to watch the credits. <laughs> That's what I went for. Right. <laughs> Unlike everyone else, got to go before the credits. I'm sure your family's like, yeah, I know you taught him and her. <laughs> <laughs> They're so, my kids are so sick of hearing about They're me. like, we know, Mom. Mom, we know, Mom. <laughs> well, we're not sick of hearing about it. So maybe you started around the John Travis, John Turtletop Oh, yeah, I had both period. of those guys. Yeah. Both so what was, I remember them. They were kind of the big shots when I first entered high school, and they were kind of kings of the drama department. They were both wonderful. Uh, I got to see uh, John Turtletown about five years ago. He was being inducted into the Beverly Hills Hall of Fame, and I got to induct him. That's so cool. Oh, it was really so nice. fun. It was wonderful. And I got a group of his classmates together. And they would get up and they would sing little pieces from all the shows that 
he was oh. in. And then I got to give him his letterman's jacket, which, oh. of course, every big man on campus needs to have. You got to have it. You got to have your letterman's jacket, even if it's 30 years later. You got to have it. And uh, John Tra Travis was there that night. A lot of the kids that I had in a show I did called The Little Prince, it was children's theater. And we took it around to the elementary schools, which was really fun. Yeah. And Travis was, was in that as well as a lot of the other kids that were there. Um, I want to, I want to give a shout out if it's okay. Please. Shout, shout it out. I want to shout out to all of the kids uh, that, that I taught and um, the ones I went to school with and the staff who are still with us, Richard yeah. and uh, Rick Munitz and Jackie O'Neill. Um, Josh Finkel has been, uh, Josh Finkel was a student of ours who went on to Broadway mm. and he did um, Kiss of a Spider Woman, Lamez and Phantom of the Opera oh, on wow. Broadway with Karen Feynman, wow. who was oh, another yeah. one of our triple talents, a yeah. beautiful, incredibly talented uh, woman. Josh got this group together on uh, Zoom. And I'd also like to thank the two people who gave me my start in my Please do. Uh, my my BFF forever. Uh, her name is Vicki Israel, and she ran all. She just retired. She ran all of the Parks and Rec for oh. Los Angeles, and she hired me when I was in college to teach uh, kids. And then my friend Pat Agnich, who ran uh, the Beverly Hills classes, hired me to teach. I taught at Roxbury Park. Uh, in the elementary schools. And th that's how I really got my start in teaching. So in 2002, your life, I, from understanding your life dramatically changed yes. and put you onto a journey, Nancy, that you actually are still currently on. Yes. Um, I know that in 2002, you were uh, went to the doctor and they diagnosed you with cancer. Stage four. Stage four and gave you 18 months to live. And that was 20 years ago. Almost 20 years ago. Can you tell us about your journey? Oh, of course. Um, I've become a real advocate for cancer patients over yeah. the years. And I talk to a lot of people. Of course, it's a very terrifying diagnosis. And I yes. was diagnosed at stage four, which is as bad as it can get. How old were you, Nancy? At I was age? 49. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my kids were young teenagers. And um, wow, I went to the doctor just for a routine uh, gynecological exam. And he discovered a tumor in my uh, breast and, and I immediately went, flew down to Los Angeles to UCLA. Right. And then I went to MD Anderson. Mm -hmm. I believe in being your own advocate. Yeah. And I believe the reason that I'm still alive is because I, I, I just kept pursuing treatment after treatment after treatment. And uh, I'm still here. My disease has not progressed beyond being in my bones, which is wow. a problem. It's in my spine and it makes yeah. it difficult for me to do, do certain things. W walking is hard for me, but um, it hasn't affected my, um, my, my emotions, my brain, any of that. And I, so I've been on all kinds of treatments. I've been Thank everywhere. God. 
And I've done in the box, out of the box. I believe in throwing it all up on the ceiling and seeing what sticks and hopefully something significant sticks. And I was lucky. I'm in a position now that I don't know what's stuck, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm here. So I wrote a screenplay about my experience. Right. To my astonishment, one night I turned on the television and my phone started ringing off the hook and people started saying, you, you sold your screenplay. I did. And I said, no, I didn't. What are you talking about? And I turned on the TV and there was my screenplay. Your story. My story. All the, all of the minor details that no one else could have possibly come up with, let alone someone who didn't have cancer. Right. Uh, It was just, it was, I, 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 I don't know that you can, I mean, think of what it's like to turn on the television and see your life. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine. It was the most bizarre experience I've ever had in my life. So how did that happen? I know that you were writing your story. I was writing. And when I was going, when I was in treatment at UCLA, I I started taking some writing classes. I mean, I already had graduated. I already had a master's degree in teaching credentials, but I, I love to write. Mm -hmm. And I took some classes and as it turned out, some of my teachers sent your stuff somewhere else. (laughs) I got no credit. I got no money. I got nothing. And it was just really, really devastating Mm. because it was such a personal story. Yeah. And I know that you had parts in there, you know, why you wrote a Vespa and I know this everything that was, I mean, all these little minor things that were Cordon Bleu. I wanted to send my son to Cordon Bleu. That was another thing that, I mean, it was just one thing after the next. Wow. So many details all the details and my sister Linda whose birthday is today happy birthday happy, Linda happy I love birthday, you Linda um, we'll be a little belated <laughs> it's okay one day so she uh, she really has been my support throughout these years incredible and she was the one who really called and said you got to fight this this isn't right and so I took it to court I lost out of I lost because of a technicality. The technicality being what is the definition of infringement. Oh. So I so I wrote my book, and uh, there is a chapter in there about how infringement works and how people get away with that. If anybody's interested, what's the name of your book? My Big C, still here after all these years. I read. I read it. It was very. Oh, you good. did. Oh, I did. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> it was very. It was very, very good. I got a lot of information oh, and learned you. a lot about you. So. Oh, thank it was, you. It was a great story. Well, I'm happy. I I believe in laughing, as we discussed. Yeah. And I I tried to spin as much of I as I could of my story into comedy because yeah. actually a lot of it's funny. I mean, it is. No, it was, it was definitely, you know, you can find the humor and the joy in your story, you know, yeah. even, even through the tragedy, you know. Right. And that crazy scene about, the, I had a, a scene in the book. I'm going to tell you, Stacey, because you read it. <laughs> um, tell me. Okay. There's a scene where I go to pick up my scans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're, st- they're sitting right there. I can see my name on the envelope. And the woman won't give them to me. She said, you have to come back. You have to wait in line, come back tomorrow. And I said, I need them for my appointment tomorrow. 
and she wouldn't give them to me. So I just let it rip. Yeah. And I went ballistic. Yeah. And that's the scene that Mindy, Mindy Rickles played for me. A crazy, oh bizarre, I put Mindy in my book. I love and it. That was her, that was the way she responded in the play that we did. And I thought that worked. It was great. That's great. I got my scans. And I wanted to punch that lady in the face, too. I what did. a bitch. <laughs> oh, I love you, Stacey. I love you, too. Getting that first diagnosis, and how do you deal with that and with yeah. the kids? And how does that first year go? For me, it was horrifying. My yeah. husband left. Yeah. Mm. You, it was one after one horrible it thing after the next, Nancy. Awful thing after the next. And... I got through it by laughing as much as I could and by having the amazing support of my family. Yeah. Didn't you have to dig down deep and like, like where did you find your strength to say, my, I'm going to write a different story here? Well, my strength was the fact that I had two kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to keep going. It was not an option for me. You're right. I had I to raise those kids. and. And that's what, that's where I put my focus in life. Yeah. And I also started a theater company that uh, I ran out of, I had a three, three car garage in Tiburon and these people would come in to my house every day, every, every night. And we'd be working on these hilarious plays my neighbors would come listening at the garage door, you know, to the laughter, and they go, "Can we get?" No, you got to wait. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, the, my community of friends, I have a phenomenal, and I want to give out a shout out to them too because I have yeah. just the best friends, and they are the ones who really just kept me going with laughter. Yeah, and there's nothing like that. So, no. it was my kids. It was trying to be able to laugh and, you know, just this sense of I'm, I'm moving forward. My life is different. It's yeah. changed forever. I may not be able to do some of the things that I did before, but I'll find new things to do. Yeah. And that's when I started writing my book yeah. and it took me about 10 years, which is a long time, but I had a lot of stuff to process. Yeah, I was going to say, in order to get it onto paper, you had to really go back and look at everything and probably just relook at your whole every day of your life. Every have, day of my life. Yeah. Yes, every day. And um, it really does make, I mean, this is cliche and people say it all the time, but you really do find out who who are the important people in your life. Yeah. Because they're the ones who are there for you. Exactly. You, you learn quickly who your friends are. Very and quickly. Who you want in your life. And, and I think that's true with any tragedy. Stacey, you and I talked yes. a little bit. Yes. Um, those people make such a difference. They're the only people that make a difference. They're the that's people, right. You know, I'm like, you, either you're out or you're with me. You're going to hold me and we're going to all get through this together because I need you and you need that. You know what I mean? And, and your friends hold you and carry you through. Oh, I, I have a wonderful group of friends up here. They've been, they've been in my theater productions. We were used to go camping every year together on the river up in Stanislaus and bring our kids with, and, uh, you know, 50 people camping together. It was just wonderful, amazing, wonderful experiences. 
wonderful, wonderful experiences. But I have to say, I, I really do miss LA. I, I love LA. I miss yeah. my family and friends that are down there. And I have over the course of the years gone down back to live in LA for, you know, a couple of years at a time. But now that I'm, I'm grandma, Yep, yeah. And I have these two incredibly amazing, beautiful, wonderful little grandkids. My grandson Jaxie is three. Aww. And my my granddaughter Ari is a little over a year. Aww. And they they are now in my life the thing that keeps me going and you know, th- thriving, focusing, laughing, playing. I just being a grandparent has been the best experience of my life. So we've heard. So I'm not I, ready there yet, but I've I heard. know it's so much better than being a parent. Oh, oh good. You don't have any of the crap to deal with. Oh, you're good. I'm, a, I'm looking just, forward, but not yet. Did your kids get into acting? My daughter actually did. Um, I used to do some casting up here for some of my friends who were casting directors and um, they asked me if I had a daughter and I said, yeah, but she's never done any film. She's been in a lot of plays that I've directed, but she doesn't know the first thing about film. And they Uh said, well, bring her in. We'd like to talk to her. And so they did, they cast her in, um, it was a movie with Robin Williams called Jack. Oh, and there were two, not bad. And then really her first gig was with Disney and Robin Williams. Yeah. And um, so she was, we were on the set there for about four, four months up here in Marin County, which Robin wanted to film up here. Cause this is where his He's family from. was. Yeah. And that was just a fabulous experience. Very cool. You must be so grateful for, you know, getting that diagnosis and having all these experiences that, Oh, you know, my, when my son got married about six years ago, I couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. so moved. Mm-hmm. Not only that he was getting married, but the fact that I was there for yeah. it and yeah. never in a million years thought I would be. I have a wonderful family. I had a, a tr- terrific career. I mean, I can't imagine having done anything that I would have loved or, more or preferred to do. I mean, I got to do Mm -hmm. exactly what I wanted to do. Incredible. And it was as good as you thought it would be. Yeah. Yes, it was. I mean, I've just been blessed in every area, almost every area. I mean, everybody's got things, but we all have her shitty days. We We don't we things happen a lot of, you know, it just happens. A lot of shit goes down in someone's life. And it does, like you said, how you pick up the pieces and Mm -hmm. how you, the laughter and how you get through it is really the testament of, of, of a human. I think so too. I think you just have to, you can't give up and throw your hands up in the air. No, you just have to keep fighting. Yeah. And keep moving forward. And I do that. Um, hopefully, so that I can be of inspiration to other people who are going through this battle. Yes. You know, somebody who's newly diagnosed can pick up the telephone or email somebody who has been there and is still there. Yes. And, you know, what what can I do? You know, what have you tried? Um, it's just, it's a, it's a whole world in and of itself. Exactly. That takes... Uh, learning to navigate through it mm-hmm. and a certain amount of s- strength, I think. And like we talked about, tremendous humor. strength. 
So what are you doing nowadays, Nancy? What are you uh, doing nowadays? Nice I'm being a grandma, which I love. And I'm doing some writing with a friend of mine, working on another screenplay. Good. Um, I can't really talk don't, about it. No. Yet. Don't tell us. <laughs> I, I can't tell. Oh, don't yeah, tell anybody. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't tell, tell anybody. anybody. <laughs> we don't yeah. want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. Okay. So that's a hush-hush. Yeah. But um, my friend and I, she met me in Carmel a few weeks ago. She drove up from L.A. and I drove down and we started plotting out our what Come we're going to write. And I'm very excited about it. I love writing. That's I really great. do. Well, you're yeah. talented at that as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Your life and your journey has been, for some people, would have, you know, the way you have uh, turned it around into joy and positivity and taking yourself day by day moving forward through just unthinkable things that have happened is just so inspiring, Nancy. And oh, Stacy, you're too quite generous. No, it's quite incredible. True, I mean, for sure. it's well, really you. true. You know, well, um, you. we all have hard times and, you know, you definitely have gotten a couple extra ones and how you come through it is just incredibly joyful, amazing, positive. And look at all the lives you've changed and go. It's just incredible, Nancy. What an oh. honor. You're very sweet. Thank you. Well, thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much. And it was a pleasure having you on Growing Up Beverly Hills. Oh. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You guys are thank adorable. You. Thanks, uh, Nancy. Thank you. thank you. Or Miss Fishman. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 It's time for the Beverly Hills Breakdown. Woohoo! Here we go, David. Let's break it down. Well, we talked about Nancy having such a big influence on so many kids, but if you don't believe Stacy and I, we have some special guests from our previous episodes who had Nancy as a teacher, and they talk about the impact she had. Here's Mindy Rickles. Hi, Nancy. If it wasn't for you directing me in The Good Doctor, I don't think I ever would have had the courage to do stand-up, which I really loved. So I want to thank you so much for that. You were a wonderful teacher. And now let's hear from Claudia Wells. Hey, Nancy. It's Claudia Wells, your former drama student. And I remember you so well and how involved you always were with the Junior Drama Festival and the Junior Shakespeare Festival and your office that was always open. I think you're great, and I hope you're well and enjoying your retirement. That was so awesome, David, having the students come back on and shout out to Nancy. I loved it so much. Yep, we love you, Nancy, and so do all your old students. What an impact she made. We love you, Nancy. Uh, we talked a lot about John Engel, but I wanted to give you some of his credits so you can go see some of his work. First of all, he was on General Hospital for a long time, from 1993 to 2012. Wow. And he played Edward Quartermain. Sounds very mm. distinguished, like the man he was. For sure. I personally never watched General Hospital. One thing we both did really like and liked him in was Heathers, the movie, and he played the principal. He certainly rocked in Heathers. And then he had another really fun part. He got to play Robert Dunder of Dunder Mifflin on The Office. 
No way! How great is that? And he was even on an episode of Beverly Hills 90210. Woohoo! He circled back right to home. I bet he didn't have to do much research for that part. Not at all. Nancy also brings up John Turtletob, or I do, but she talks about him. She sure does. He, I think him and John Travis, who I brought up, were starring in Oklahoma was the musical when I, that big musical our freshman year. I remember. And they were just great in it. Um, I don't think John Travis went on to do acting. I don't know what he's doing, but John Turtletob went on to produce and direct. And he got to reunite with his fellow classmate, Nicolas Cage, in all the National Treasure films. That's so fun. It must be fun to really work with the kids you grew up with. How fun. Yeah. So what was so interesting is a lot of the times you think people go straight to Hollywood. But here at Beverly High, we had a number of students that went straight from Beverly High to Broadway. We had our good friend, Johnny Silverman, who was in our class, who literally went from the halls of Beverly to... Brighton Beach Memoirs on Broadway in a Neil Simon play. Quite amazing. Yes. Then we talk about Karen Feynman and as well as Josh Finkel, another student that went on to Broadway to do The Little Mermaid and The Kiss of the Spider Woman. So many incredible talents came out of Beverly, and Nancy Fishman, Nancy Radin, has taught them all. Yep. Well, thank you all for listening. Remember to contact us on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us, like us, give us five stars, write a review. Spread the love. You can for us. Help us out. <laughs> keep us growing. We don't want to beg, but we know you love the show and keep telling your friends. All right. Talk to you next time. Keep listening to Growing Up Beverly Hills. Thanks. Bye. So suicide has personally affected my life, and we like to mention at the end of our show that there is help for everybody out there. You know, I think everybody's going through a tough time now, and we don't want anybody to take their lives. Especially during this COVID situation, uh, we've all been experiencing depression and hard times. Things can always get better. Everything bad now can get better. Everything can get better, and there is a lot of help out there, so please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. There is always help. It doesn't hurt to call, so do that. You don't have to do this alone. There's always help.